back to The Abnormal Christian. I'm Brad Mason, and I'm here with my wonderful wife, Natasha Mason. Hello, hello. And we are back again for another episode of the study of the Acts of the Apostles, studying through the book of Acts, um, really learning about the apostles, how the gospel spread to the Gentiles, how it spread to the Jews, and how God would use uh, men like Peter and Paul and Barnabas and, you know, Saul, Paul, and uh, James and these other apostles and disciples to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, off the top of this episode, I'd like to extend an offer to everybody. If you would like to receive a free book called The Fire Inside, you can email us at theabnormalchristian at gmail.com. Drop us your address, and I will email you a copy of um, The Fire Inside at no cost to you. So we're offering that out. We do have some copies of that left in the house and really want to move them out of the bookcase. So uh, we'll get those books out to you. They are for sale on Amazon.com, and um, you can get it there if you would like to. Um, I think it's on uh, Kindle Reader, and um, so it's available. Um, I am working on another book coming out uh, probably at the end of summer called The... Uh, I can't remember... The Wolves Are Among Us. There it is. Um, so uh, it's going to have a lot to do with uh, the current state of the church and some of the false teachings and false teachers that are out there trying to deceive um, the very elect of God. So we're going to be putting that out later this summer. Uh, this episode, we're going to be looking at the uh, book of Acts. We're back on the study of the book of Acts. We've had a wonderful time up till now. Uh, you know, I usually paraphrase kind of what's going on so far. Uh, we'll go back into this chapter a little bit to say that um, Paul is in the synagogue and he is preaching um, on the Sabbath. He has been asked, the men have been asked to stand and to speak of the Lord, um, something that's laid upon their heart. And so he continues to do as they have done before. They go back to the story of their forefathers and they lay out the case for Jesus, Yeshua, um, being the Messiah. And so the Jews understand um, the things that he is talking about and the things that are going on. Now, the upcoming second half that we're getting ready to get into in the uh, study of Acts here, chapter 13, we're going to look at really verses 30 through 51, the end of the chapter. We'll go back a little bit to verse 27, pick up from there. Um, some really interesting things uh, in this in this section of the scripture um, that I'm going to point out um, that really tie into uh, what Paul is talking about. So let's start in verse 27. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day. They have fulfilled them in condemning him. And they, and though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. All right, so we got that verse 30, God raised him from the dead. So we're talking the end there. He's laying out the case that uh, the Messiah was crucified, even though there was no fault found in him. He's blameless before the law. He's blameless before God and how the people had asked Pilate to uh, crucify him. Uh, and then in verse 30, he says, but God raised him from the dead. Uh, very important thing there. I, I know, and maybe this is nitpicking, some people think Jesus rose from the dead. He, he arose on his own. But the scripture clearly says that God himself raised him from the dead. Um, so that's very important to, to note. Um, it really, and you have to think about it too, he was killed by men, but he was raised by God, which is fantastic. And he was seen many days of them, which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, and that he hath raised up Jesus again. As it is also written in the second psalm, 
Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. All right. So he's uh, what he's doing is, and you really understand uh, Saul here because we've talked about him before. He is a chief Pharisee who's learned from Gamaliel. He's studied the law. He knows the Old Testament. He's in the synagogue and he's talking to his Jewish brethren. Um, he's he points out in verse thirty one that the uh, the witnesses the witnesses are alive and testifying to the same things that he's testifying that Jesus was risen from the dead that God raised him up from the dead. Um, very important to understand under the law and especially. In Jerusalem, in the presence of other Jews, in presence of the temple and the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, it's a very uh, serious thing to um, perjure yourself, to tell a lie. Um, according to the law, the lying is a sin and it's wrong and it's punishable. Um, so, you know, he's saying the witnesses who were there saw this and they are willing to testify exactly to what they saw because it is the absolute truth. Um, then we go into verse 32 and he's saying, um, that they are preaching the promised Messiah that was told it will come. And so you go back to the old Testament and he's pointing out, uh, all the promises of the Messiah that everyone was looking for to come. Um, we have to understand that from Abraham, Avram on, uh, to the cross, everyone was looking forward. They were looking for the Messiah to come. They're looking forward. Um, right now we're looking backwards to the cross where the work is completed. We still look forward to the day that Messiah returns, but our hope is in what has been completed. Um, the, the old Testament, they're looking forward and the new Testament, we're kind of looking back and we're all looking to this one day, this one moment in time, um, when the redemptive work of God was completed in his son and he raised him from the dead. Now, Paul being who he was, or Saul here being who he was, he knew the law, he knew the Torah, he knew the prophets, he knew Psalms, he knew, uh, the major minor, everything. Um, so he immediately uh, goes to the things they know. He points back to Psalms chapter 2, um, and he says at the end of that verse, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. And so you would, when you read Psalms chapter 2, it is a foreshadowing of the Messiah. And a lot of, a lot of the Jews might have understood it as being King David, right? That's who they might have thought it was about. But it was really a force, foreshadowing of things to come. So let's go into verse 34. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Uh, here we go again with Paul in his scripture. So here he's coming and he's quoting Isaiah 55 uh, verse 3. And this is a direct quote about the, the sure mercies of David. You can find this uh, reference also in Psalms 89, 4 through 5, Psalms 132, 11 through 12, 7, 2 Samuel 7, 16. Um, and really the point here is um, when when the Jews read this passage, they they attributed it, some attributed it to David. Um, but what Paul or Saul is saying here is he's saying he would not let him taste of corruption. And then read into the next verse. Wherefore he saith also in another Psalm, thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Ah, so what he's doing is, is he's taking the Psalms and he's taking Samuel and he's taking Isaiah and he's saying all these verses, all these scriptures that you know, all these things that you know in, in the, the Psalms of David were pointing to Messiah because it said he would not let his Holy One see corruption, but David died. And so David's body decayed. And what corruption here, the, the Hebrew means putrefaction. It's a big word, but it's where the body is. You just get that real putrid smell and 
and, and it falls apart and it rots. That is what is meant here, this, this really grossness of, of a dead body. And so when he's talking about King David, he said he's buried, he's dead. You know, it, it's not talking about him. He's talking about our current Messiah, who God did not let see corruption. So Jesus, because God raised him from the dead, never tasted, his body never tasted of that corruption of completely rotting and falling apart. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Ah, again, the justification. So we know that our works cannot justify us. And this is this is really goes contrary to a lot of uh, belief out there that we are um, we can lose our salvation. It's based on our good, our bad, our works, the things that we do. But here he says, you're not justified. The law of Moses could not justify you. It couldn't make you righteous in the eyes of God. But it's through this man that we have received remission of sins. It is really through Jesus that we have received the forgiveness of sins. Beware therefore lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Aha, uh-huh. there's there's a warning there. Beware that come upon you. Uh, read it one more time for me. Beware therefore lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. So in the prophets, if you go back and read the old prophets, they were warning Jerusalem, they were warning the children of Israel, if you don't follow after the Lord, a couple things are going to happen. Jerusalem would be overrun. Jerusalem would be taken. The temple would be destroyed and the people would be spread about. And this is in the book of Habakkuk, uh, chapter 1, verse 5 through 10. And this happened. And so what he's talking to them here is, is the same kind of thing. Beware that your rejection of the Son of God can lead to the same thing that the prophets spoke of. And if, if you know anything about Jerusalem, uh, in 70 of the current era, the temple was destroyed. Jerusalem's been ransacked many times. The The Jewish people, uh, the Hebrews were spread around the world. And it has a lot to do with the rejection as a nation of Messiah, because they put their Messiah out. Now they've tasted of the prophecy uh, from the book of Habakkuk. Behold ye despisers, and wonder, and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe though a man declare it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So we got interesting. Um, so they're in the, they're in on Sabbath. If you if you're uh, you know when Sabbath is, it's Friday evening, right? So they're in they're in they're preaching on the Sabbath, and uh, they they leave the synagogue. They're done for the evening, and they're heading out. And the word has gotten out um, to the Gentiles that I guess that Paul is there, or Saul is there, and he's preaching, and they beseech him. They're saying, "Hey, can you come in again?" And teach us. Can you teach us next Friday, next Sabbath, Shabbat? Can you come and, and tell us about this? Because we want to know too. Um, and th- this really creates an interesting environment for the Jews. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And these are men just giving them encouragement, you know. These are men, these are just now, again, I'm going to point out that the uh, the Jews as a whole did not reject Messiah. As a uh, nation, yes, but as there were Jews who were converted, there were Jews who were saved, there were Jews who put their, their hope in Messiah. Salvation went to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. So he's in the synagogue preaching to the Jews in this town before he ever goes to the Gentiles. So this idea that um, the Jews you know, completely threw away their Messiah is not accurate at all. And I think we're given that in the ch- current church age, we're kind of painted that picture. They're over there and we're over over here, they didn't believe, and we received it. And I get that. I understand maybe that's how it looks today. But there's still Jews 
who believe in Messiah today. Um, and that's something you need to remember is that it's very important. These are the, these are the chosen people of God. I mean, he chose this, this nation unto himself and, um, he didn't, he's never going to forget them. He said, if he would forget them, he'd be, he cut off his right hand if he forgot Jerusalem. Um, and he hasn't done that. So he still loves them and he still remembers them, but there's an interesting portion that's getting ready to come up that is going to make a really important point. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Whoa, wait, hang on a minute. What? The whole city. So it's been a week. <laughs> They've gone. Could you imagine this? I don't even think this is not even, a, I don't know if this happens anywhere in the world today. Maybe it does, uh, but it's definitely not in America. But, um, you know, the whole city had heard that Paul is there to preach something, a gospel of a man who can forgive us of our sins. And the whole city comes to hear the preaching of the gospel. This is a, a preacher's dream right here. I mean, this is, if you're out there ministering and witnessing, it, it would absolutely blow your mind if everybody just stopped what they were doing and, uh, and came to where you were. I, a long time ago, I read an article by a preacher named George Whitfield um, in, up in Pennsylvania. He said the same thing happened when he would go around to preach the gospel in the, in the early 1800s, um, that the farmers would stop farming and the people would stop what they were doing. And they would go down to the local church because they wanted to hear the preacher who came around to preach the gospel. And we see the same thing right here, Paul. And this is a fantastic opportunity because here we have a mixing. If it's the whole city, now it's more than just Jews. It's Gentiles. It's the Greek. It's the Hellenist. It's, the, it's, it's people from everywhere in the world that are in this town who live here. They've all come to hear about the gospel. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Mm. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Yeah, he, it, it's, it is. When you read this, you have to understand, uh, he's a little incensed. Because, I didn't mean to laugh, but I was just like, yeah. bruh. He just got, he got real with them, right? So he's out here preaching, and here's a couple of interesting things that pop up. So the Jews got jealous because Paul is preaching the gospel. He's preaching their Messiah to the Gentiles. Now, the, the crazy thing here is, is that they don't even want this Messiah. And again, in context, this is not all of the Jews who were there. This is a certain group of Jews. These are probably the ones who led and, and headed up the synagogue. Maybe, I don't know. It doesn't tell us. But these Jews got jealous because you were trying to share Messiah with the Gentiles. Now, the Bible says this later on in the New Testament. It tells us that we should provoke the Jews to jealousy. That's what us as believers, uh, your, your Gentile believers are supposed to do. How, I'm going to ask this question real quick. How would you pro provoke a Jew into jealousy? How would you do that? Um, would you, let me, okay, I'll throw a couple things out there. Would you provoke them into jealousy by calling the Messiah by a name that he was never known? No. Would you provoke them into jealousy by saying he was not Jewish? I think that you would provoke the Jews in speaking to them in a Jew, in a Jewish way. Right. And Does this that make is sense? that's that's the greater portion of this podcast. This is why the abnormal Christian is here is to say that we need to recognize Jesus Yeshua for who he was. He was that rabbi. He was that Jewish male. And if I go to a Jewish person who believes in the Torah and believes in God, believes that God exists, hasn't had a relationship, and I approach them with a Greek Gentile version of Jesus, right? The blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy who's walking around and would 
nice press rope. They don't want anything to do with that because they don't recognize that. They don't know who that is. Who is that? So here he is preaching a Jewish Messiah because Paul is a fully Jewish man. He is preaching a Jewish Messiah to the Gentiles, and the Jews got jealous, not because he was giving them the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. Because they're like, hey, that's that's our guy. Right, that's our guy. So immediately out of their jealousy, not it wasn't that they believed. It's out of their jealousy they tried to dispute the prophets that he was speaking of. So he's doing the same thing for the, to the Gentiles that he did to them. He's probably repeating the book of Psalms. He's repeating what God has done. And they're over here trying to say, no, 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 no. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about David. David, yeah, yeah, yeah. David, yeah, he may be dead, but that, you know. Well, I noticed a lot in the study is when Paul specifically, he always goes back and tells the history, which yes. I think is really important. Absolutely. And with, with Paul, you have to understand, Paul is a highly educated man. Um, at one point, I mentioned that Peter, and, and later on in some of his writings, said he even had a hard time understanding Paul because Paul's thought process was above his own. And Peter was a, a very good speaker. Peter was a good preacher of the gospel. But Paul even confused him a little bit because Paul's intelligence was that great. And it's amazing. You know, we carry around our cell phones with us that have the Bible app, or we might have our actual physical copy of the Bible. You got to remember, they didn't carry around the Bible. It didn't exist. If anything, they might have had a Torah scroll, but that was kept in the synagogue. It's a big scroll that you roll out and it has all the scripture, but you don't carry that around in your pocket. So everything he knows comes from memory. All of these references he makes comes from memory of the scripture. He had to memorize it. He was a very intelligent man. And the interest, the funny thing here is what you laughed at, is that he makes this strong, ironic statement to them. Well, I mean, if you don't want eternal life, then, you know, read that one more time. <laughs> then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. On a side note, I think that's, that's great writing. Fabulous. Yes. <laughs> and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first be spoken to you. But seeing you put it upon you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Yeah, so he's saying, you know, hey, I mean, you you don't think you need everlasting life. You've decided, you've judged yourselves and found yourself not needing that. We're going to give it to somebody who will want to accept it. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light to the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Ah, so this verse right here, verse 47, is almost a direct quote out of Isaiah, verse uh, chapter 49, verse 6. So if you go to Isaiah and you were to look that up, you're going to see this quote there. Um, so Paul, again, is taking the prophets and he's putting it right back in their face and he's quoting what the prophets said. Um, very important to know that, that, that Paul is using the words of other men to, to make his point because they knew the scripture too. And it, it's one of those things where it's going to cut at your heart and it's going to make you jealous and angry because he knows what he's talking about and we don't know what to do. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. So the Gentiles here are believing um, the, the word of the Lord has uh, regenerated them. He's caused them to be uh, born again, to have eternal life. Now, interesting. I want to read that eternal life part one more time. Uh, verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life so, believed. So they were ordained to eternal life. So they have received the ordinance of eternal life. Eternal life is the moment that you, you receive the ordinance, the, the eternal life, the right to eternal life, the, mo the moment you believe. Um, and so here they are. And, and because of this, the Gentiles are so overjoyed that the Lord is sharing. He's bringing the Messiah. Paul's preaching this Messiah. 
Messiah to us, that they've gone out and they've told everybody. And now everybody everywhere is, is hearing this wonderful gospel and it's spreading. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. So this is this is crazy, right? So um, there's some commentaries on this, and the speculation is, it's just speculation, that perhaps some of the people who were in the, uh, the leadership of the city um, were converted to Judaism or were Jews or maybe were, you know, uh, similar to, um, oh man, I just went blank on his name. Our first guy was a Gentile who got saved. Cornelius. Yeah, similar to Cornelius. Um, someone who wasn't really uh, a Jew, but he followed all the, the ways of the Jews, and then the Lord noticed his honorableness there. So this is the same thing. They've got these people in their midst who are powerful in the city, and they're fed up with this. This word is spreading. The Gentiles have this supposed Messiah that's supposed to be ours, but he's not, and we want him kicked out. So they kicked Paul and Barnabas out of the city. And they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. This is interesting. So if you go to Luke chapter 9, verse 5, and Matthew chapter 10, verse 14, um, you're going to see the same thing. He says, if they don't accept you, leave and kick off the dust of your shoes. And it is, it is, a, it is a way to say that, not to say that your city is accursed, but it is to say that I don't even want to carry the dust from your town upon my shoes um, as I'm going forward for the Lord because you have rejected his word. Um, um, and I've known this. I, I think my dad did this one time um, in a city. I remember we uh, left um, a church there. And he had started and we left. And I remember him pulling off to the side of the road and he took his shoes off at the, uh, the it's like the sign, you know, like the welcome to the city. Took his shoes off and beat the dust off of them before he got back in the car. And it's just that way of saying, I'm just not going to carry this with me. And you see that they didn't carry it with them because then it says they're overfilled and they're overjoyed in the Lord through the Holy Ghost. So, so it's this idea that it doesn't even matter that, you know, we, we know people got saved. We know people here believed. Um, and this group of people want to be sour and throw us out of their city. Fine. I don't, I'm not going to carry your dust on my shoes, but the joy of the Lord is in the Holy Ghost that these people have received the gospel. I got Luke 9, 5. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> and whosoever will not receive you when ye go out of the city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. Yeah, yeah. and so Luke who is the writer here in the book of Acts, um, has obviously shared this with, with Paul. Um, and, and so this is what they did. They just shook the dust off their, get out of here. We don't even need, you want to be that way? Fine. We're moving on. We're, we're going on with the Lord. And so sometimes, and there's a whole, there's, again, there's another one of these verses that you could turn into a, a 20 minute, 30 minute sermon. But sometimes, um, we have to be willing to trust the Lord, walk in the Lord and shake away all the, all the, the other things outside that try to distract us. The things that say, uh, God is not real or you don't need that. You know, we need to shake those things off, kick the dust off your shoes and walk with the Lord in that joy um, in the Holy Ghost. So that is the end of Acts chapter 13. Um, I hope you're enjoying this um, study of the book of Acts so far. I have noticed we, we've had, we get a lot of plays off of the study of the book of Acts. It's not like our top all-time episodes, but it's is creeping up there. Um, and so it's really showing us that uh, people are listening and they appreciate it. And I thank you for listening to these, um, this study of the book of Acts. Uh, it does take us a lot of work to do. Uh, many of these, um, I work a full-time job. She works a job. So getting this stuff together can take some time. Uh, next week, we're going to go into uh, Acts chapter 14. It's only 28 verses, um, and we'll be able to get through that whole chapter. 
really good information in there. Uh, we hope you stick with us uh, as we travel along through the book of Acts and the story of the Acts of the Apostles. Please share this podcast with your friends and family. If there's something in here you really enjoyed and you appreciate it, you can let us know on Facebook. You can let us know on Podbean. Um, it's where these podcasts are hosted. Leave a comment there. Like, share, subscribe. Um, and we would uh, just continue to appreciate your prayers for the podcast itself and uh, that God would continue to lead us in the way that we should go. We uh, hope that you have a great week and God continues to bless you.